Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean. But sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers, to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel Audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music, finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harman International Industries, registered in the United States and other countries. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today for my podcast show, Nichelle Anderson Short Stories and Beyond. Today, I'm doing something special. <laughs> I'm having um, both of my podcast shows sponsor a particular topic regarding literacy reading. I have always been a passionate reader ever since I was um, in my younger years as a child and even now. I always felt that reading is one of the most important things that we all should do and incorporate that to the next generation. So today I have educator Matthias Tullis. He's from Gahana. And so I'm broadcasting this. Uh, it's going to be two interviews that we're going to do. So it's going to be on my other podcast show, Surviving Your Journey to a Success. And of course, here on my short stories podcast, which short stories is reading and learning to read. And I think reading books and incorporating the importance of reading at a younger age so you can expand your eyes and expand not just your knowledge of what you're reading, but the ability to create and to think of new ideas and new creativity from a different perspective. It's an ongoing, gradual level of reading. And in this part one, I do kind of touch on when I got my first break of writing was um, doing a, a column of Harlem Renaissance which led to finding out about the Harlem Renaissance and finding out and about W.D. Boyce and all that he did at that time. And then later, of course, writing more articles that I created a, a course back then. It was on Sweet101.com, that column that I got my first writing opportunity. And then on Sweet101 as well, I'd started with branched off from that in a sense, connected to it. Um, their university that they had online back years ago and I started up I wanted to focus on reading I really loved it and I felt that breaking it down in a sense that people can connect to it and that's what Matthew is talking about their programs that they are doing right now to connect with students and with parents um, to make it engaging so people can fall in love that they will always know to hold on to it that's the most important thing it's like water <laughs> in a sense right and the the course back then was joy the the joy of reading so it's just ironic in a way and very reassuring that fast forward i'm having this discussion with someone way on the you know not here in the united states but communicating it's, it's a global awareness that we need to constantly be aware of of that because it trickles down and impacts other areas of our lives from economics for well-being for mental peace for building a community 
um, building positivity and, and go forth in different types of um, parts of, around the world to connect. And in this particular interview, he does touch on something that I really like um, that he talks about everybody can contribute to it to make it a family whole. So we're not further ado. Let's go ahead and get started with today's interview. The second interview, it was a long recording that we did. So I after it up. So we'll get the first part. And then the next part is when I release my next podcast. And that would be the first week of February. And then I have an announcement regarding what me and Matthew is, is teaming up to do for his school. So I hope you stay tuned and let's get started. I'm going to ask Matthias to expand on and share his expertise and his passion. He's very passionate about reading. I am too. And we're going to discuss that. It's going to be part one. And then the part two of this interview will be aired later. The first part will be aired on my podcast, Surviving Your Journey to a Success on January the 18th. And then the second part would be in February. Also, I'm going to have a big announcement that me and him is collaborating on. And we'll talk about that a little bit here. And of course, expand on that in the second interview. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm here in the United States and you are in Kahana. Wow. <laughs> That's one of my two places to be. And I have to just put a plug of my mentor, WBD Boys. He loved Kahana. Grateful to have you in Ghana. <laughs> I know. Let's get into this. Go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to the to the listeners. You know, um, if you can give us a, a brief bio of yourself before we get really into this interview. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my name is Matthias Tulasi. Yeah, from West Africa, Ghana. All right. And you are educator, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'm a teacher by profession and uh, a lover of reading and uh, the CEO of Literacy Ambassadors mm -hmm. Ghana. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So tell us about your school. You mentioned to me that you associated with this wonderful school there in Kahana. Go ahead and you know, if you can share that, talk about your school, when it started, most of the, the main objective there. You can mention that and the overall mission. The name of your school? Yeah, yeah thank you very much. My, my, yes, my school is Yavi Lume. Yeah, Methodist Junior High. It is located in the Volta region of Ghana, mm -hmm. in the whole municipality. Yeah, it's a very nice school, surrounded by a lot of uh, uh, villages. Mm. We have a lot of towns there. It's a, my school is predominantly a farming community. Mm -hmm. And then we are in the junior school. We also do have uh, the primary school. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it's in Xavi traditional area. Oh, okay. When did it start it, the school itself? Has it always, how long has it been in existence for the last 10 years or? Yeah, my, my school has been in existence since 1985. Oh, okay. I've been in existence since 1985. Since 1985. Yes, yes, okay. Very old school. Mm, okay. So it was very yes, well known yes. in the area. Yeah. Oh, okay. And. Yes, please. Yeah, it was built by an European funding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, when it started then, over the years, has it grown in a sense of more teachers and students now attend the school? Has the teacher... Yeah, yeah, when it started, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. actually, when it started, they were not having good structures. Yes, they were not having good structures. Before mm -hmm. the Europeans came in, then they had to give us a very nice classroom for business learning. Uh, I was put there after I completed university, and then I was being... Post, I've been posted there to help the, uh, the peoples in the English language and ICT and also. So the school been around since 1985. They had a few teachers um, and then it grown over 
a course of up until now. And what year did you start it at the school? Did you start it? Yeah, I, 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 yes, yes. I, I, I got posted there after I completed university. That was 2014. Yeah, I went there in 2014. That's when I got posted there. Okay. But I was teaching in a school in the hospital. And then uh, this is that I went to that particular school for inspection. And then she was told that uh, they were not having an English teacher at the time in the ICT. So she oh. actually begged with me to uh, get posted to that school to actually help the, the school people, which I also agreed to uh, to go. Because oh. I was in town and I have to move there. But then I agreed and when I went, I realized that I liked the environment. And then when <laughs> they even requested to uh, repost me back down, I said I wanted to stay there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you was you met this you end up meeting um the administrators at the school on a different mission in the sense of um, basically seeing where the school was at and so forth and they felt that they need, had a need for teaching English or teaching you know um, another teacher and so she asked you to stay so that's wonderful that's like leading on you know finding your way on your purpose you got it you're not having an English teacher mm -hmm. you're not an ICT teacher yeah so how to right. move there uh, to help the listen and then what they thank you for me too Right. I said, no, I want to. I have to remain there. Yeah. Right, right. How many students are at your school right now? Over a hundred. How many students are are attending the school as of right now? Yeah. For now, we have we have about hundred and ten. It's a junior high school, from one to form three. So we have about hundred and ten school pupils in the school. Uh, but then, like I said, within that community, we have a primary school which is EP, we are Methodists. We also have uh, EP, uh, EP, uh, EP in another part of the, the village. We also have LA, we have Methodist primary too. So we have about six schools within that particular enclave. Uh -huh. But then I am teaching in the junior high school and in our school we have about 110 junior high school pupils. Oh, okay. So it was more different branches. So this the grade level is from what we say here in the States, um, kindergarten up to very, high school? Yes, very okay. good, very good. Okay. So we have, we are in the junior high school, so we have the primary. We are in the Xavi Lume junior high. We also have the Methodist uh, primary of the GSS. We are in the GSS, we have the Methodist primary, but then the primary is not located on our school premise, uh, but within the same town. But still so in the same town. We have the primary time. that fits the junior high school, yeah. And when you were called in to be a educator, which I think is so important for many organizations and communities in particular, especially neighborhoods and town villages, as you mentioned, can you share your background, the literacy, either for younger years when you were a younger boy until you got older to understand the importance of that up until now as you being a part of the school that we've been talking about? share your background in literacy how you came about to love it to understand the importance of that yeah, yeah th thank you very much when i uh, when i went to the university i happened to uh, study publishing studies and then as part of publishing studies we have a, a library studies component you know so i actually opt opted for a library studies as one of my courses and then uh, from first year and then i I started developing lab for reading and stuff because as part of the library studies, we go to the library and then as part of the publishing studies, we have reading clubs within the town 
And then when we have our developmental weeks and those things, we go there, we donate books to them, we read to the school people. So with that aspect and then the library students, I started developing and I thought before having my further studies, I realized that no, it was an interesting area, you know, I got to love reading them all as part of the this and then. So my final project work was actually done in the library studies. And so after school, when I came back, I realized that no, there was a need for me to put a foundation together so that I can help school people acquire basic reading and writing skills. So that's how it all began. I've said that part of the thing came from uh, my background, as in the course I studied at the university, and then me having love for uh, library studies back at the university. And so, and then as a publisher, you have to promote reading so that people can have interest in reading the right then the the right books for you to publish for them. So basically, I'll say that the course I studied at the university contributed largely to what I do now, and it's so interesting. And it's an interest area that I want to be for the rest of my life, and it's so nice reading around kids and then. Uh, helping them to read, to acquire reading skills. And it's been so, uh, so nice, so far, so good. We have been able to, uh, you see a lot of schools in Ghana where I actually went and promoted literacy with my organization. And it's been so fantastic. Uh, it's a very interesting area and I'm happy that uh, I started to help the Ghanaian school people to have basic uh, literacy skills. Very good. Thank you so much. I, me personally, um, I can relate. When I was a child growing up and books that I enjoyed to read and the worlds that I get to, that I, you know, experienced and learned about, I really enjoyed that. And then over the time of the years, I too, you know, realized the importance of reading. I remember I had personally got this opportunity before the whole internet boom and all of that to write and a column which I did talk about the importance of reading because I felt when you're able to read you're able to learn and inspire others so I can completely relate to that what you were saying you just fall in love with it and then later you you kind of connect the dots of how important reading is (laughs) it it really shapes your life it helps you with language speech and all of that and so when you said you did your you said you put your foundation you had to put a foundation in the importance of reading I think that's great when you said that and then you yeah. mentioned how it was fun and how you learned a lot and then that expanded your other interests of learning english teaching english and so forth let me ask you this what are the core lessons you learn on your whole academic life journey that can help others that if you can tell them something thank you very much uh, personally doing this work i realized that uh, as a literacy advocate you have to read a lot. Right. You have to you have to associate other mm-hmm. literacy aspects and be able to learn from them. You understand? Because when you meet a people with inability to read child A and child B, the approaches mm-hmm. may not be the same. You understand? So I I found out that there's a need for you as an advocate, or like what we do, to learn the more so that you'll be able to have vast knowledge as to how you should be able to tackle this whole thing. So personally I would say that. I have been able to learn a lot for this period, you know, as in the approaches when we meet the kindergarten people, when we meet the uh, class one and class two, and then the approach we should go about the reading program with them. Uh, these are the things that I learned on the job. As in, so when we are going to meet the kindergarten people, we package their program that will make to become very interesting to me. And at the end of the day, we have to make the impact. Yes, we call us and tell us that we have done a good job. 
Mm, very good. First, I've learned a lot, and I believe that as I continue, I will, yeah. So basically, overall, you're sharing that the core lesson is, to me, and I agree, is you started at a young age, and you reinforce the importance of reading by having them to enjoy it, and then they and they can grow to learn it. That's what I got overall what you were saying. And I would agree when I did that column, The Joy of Reading, it was actually a course, I think, or a class, but I did The Joy of Reading for Sweet 101. And I just talked about the four levels of reading where you have elementary, you go all the way up to higher levels. But you, you get okay. into, yeah, you get into the, because you said it earlier when I wrote it down what you said, you said you fell in love with it and basically you wanted someone else to fall in love with it as well. All right, let's go ahead and go to the next, the next, our next question is, what are the roadblocks for children and adults that you learn about, that you realize in reading? The roadblocks, what, what hesitate people to? Yeah, 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 v very good. You know, yes, yes, that, that is the greatest challenge that we have. You know, uh, a lot of the school people, they come to school without acquiring no basic reading and writing skills at home. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's like it's, it's very difficult you get to a class of maybe 40 pupils only three or four can read you understand even four is problematic so we have realized that a lot that parents are supposed to do at home before their children begin school they don't do it you understand so the children are not taught basic literacy skills before they get to school and it's very bad so what we are doing is that we are advocating for the pregnant reader the intelligent baby policy where we are doing workshops for pregnant women mm. to start reading to the unborn children before right. they are giving birth to mm. so that's something we are doing so well and then aside that we are trying to promote literacy among adults that's parents you understand and we are always teaching them the techniques how they are to promote reading at mm -hmm. i agree to acquire that. so in ghana the plan being that parents are not enough when it comes to literacy promotion at home and it's affecting them so it's a great challenge in the class right i think that's definitely a great it's idea challenge. and if the child cannot read and write if mm -hmm. the child cannot do anything uh, and we are saying that uh a children don't read books because their parents do not read books mm -hmm. and books are important <laughs> it contains the overall what you need to be able to learn and grow not just knowledge, but give them self-esteem and able to understand what's going on in the world. All right. I was asking you, what are some of the roadblocks for children and adults? And you mentioned the different programs you had. You talked about um, you have one particular program to encourage pregnant women to read to their children, even when they're um, pregnant. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. You talked about that. What else do you, can you expand on that? The question and what you were referring to the other programs and the mission to start early in the importance of reading. Go ahead. Yeah, yes. Thank you very much. Like I did indicated, uh -huh. uh, children are supposed to acquire basic literacy and numeracy skills before they, they start school, but that is not the case. So like I indicated, you get to a school, maybe 40 people in a class, only three can read. The rest cannot read. Even the three that can read, the reading is problematic. But we we'll say that only three can read. So we are saying that what parents are supposed to do by making sure that their children acquire basic literacy and numeracy skills before they start school is not there. So a lot of the school people cannot read, you know. And if these people cannot read, it means that they are 
Uh-huh. So that's the roadblock. So we have been trying to first promote an interest in reading. So when we are able to promote that interest, then the children will have love for reading. You know, and then and they spend a lot of time with their parents. So we have to promote adult literacy. So the work must mostly be done by parents, but they are putting on teachers. You know, some are not getting it right. Uh-huh. So we are trying to tell them that as parents, they are the number one teachers, which is not helping. So we have to educate them uh, so that they will be able to help them to some of them to they want to do it by day so basically um because i know there was an audio delay right quick but basically what you were saying is that you're promoting for because i know we're speaking he's um speaking from Ghana, and i'm in the united states so there's going to be some lag in the audio but i'm going to make sure that your message is is communicated to those are listening that can be motivated so basically what you were saying is that yeah your your school and you are one of the four leaders there promoting literacy and reading basics from the beginning before yeah. they enter school and other programs that you, that you having where it's important to do those small blocks forward in a sense of finding ways to encourage and motivate the parents and the exactly. community exactly. right because a village yes. is basically family the importance yes. to start at a young age i agree Yes. So, so literacy should become a family culture. You understand? A family culture. And then, oh, and then, yes, literacy must be a family culture. And then, to, to add to that, when you get to our the kindergarten schools that prepare the children to start primary school and stuff, you know, a lot of the schools cannot even boast of a common laptop and a projector where they can use it to show these phonics, phonetics, phonics videos. The school people they don't have. Right. You know, meanwhile, right. reading must be down through phonics and those things but they do not have a laptop they do not have a projector speaker and those things to project or show these connected videos and sounds and things to the school people at that tender age so the reading is is so dry there is no motivating factor you know Uh, but if the schools can acquire those things and then they can show these the children these phonics videos and all this it also promotes an interest but majority of the school cannot boast of a single laptop let alone projector and a speaker to show those phone videos to the school people so when we go for programs at times we carry projector and those things along and then we show them these phonics videos and the later sounds and then they are so happy and stuff are you getting the whole thing so uh, from the government part and then from the appearance a lot are not being done so well and not until we're able to get those things right issues of uh, literacy promotion will be difficult and then it will make the children not to be able to acquire these basic skills that we are talking about and we are saying that Reading is the key to learning. And if the children cannot read, it means that, in a way, uh, they, are, they are blocked, kind of listen. they cannot do so well in the academics. And those that can read and understand, they'll be able to do uh-huh, so well. So you have to look at it from the part of government and then from the part of, especially the parents and all those. And then all the stakeholders must play their role as far as reading is. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today with my guest speaker, Matthias Tulsi today. I really appreciate his time to hone on the importance of literacy. And I'm really glad that he provided this chance that we can have an open discussion and and for him to talk about his school. I do have an announcement. That announcement is that we're working together. 
I approached him to see if he wanted to be interested that I can nominate his school for a charity event. Matthew's school in Kahana is in need in several things, and I hope that you can help. And he talked about his school. I wanted to introduce himself as well as his mission and the other educators there at the school. I'm going to have a direct link to the charity event. It kicks off February. The, let me provide the seven needed resources that Matthew shared with me that the school is in need right now. The number one is having a library. And number two, interesting storybooks that they use when they're implementing their program, going to different areas in town, uh, meeting up the family, um, with churches, what have you, and setting up like a presentation. And the interesting books does help to kind of motivate and encourage uh, the engagement and learning to read. Number three, computers. Donation of computers would definitely help the funds to purchase computers. Uh, number four, a lab so they can do different types of experiments and discussions of, of those experiments, you know, getting all into, into that as well. Number five, transportation. We're going to talk about more of that in part two uh, of the interview that will be released. Um, the next time I release my podcast, it will be in February, first week of February. And he mentioned about transportation where, where they go around to different um, towns, um, and they use, um, you know, different means themselves, but it would be nice to have like a, a, um, uh, a van or something like that, that they can, um, bring on more teachers and educators and volunteers as they go and set up shop when they, um, it's similar to like a, um, how you travel from different towns will have and have a pop-up type presentation and get the children involved the parents involved so transportation is another need that he would definitely would love to have if they can um increase that and have that um have the funds to be able to do that to add on more transportation to spread out more number six having um like a projector they like to project like um different parts of the story that they're telling you know to introduce them how books can be just as entertaining as watching television or being on a your phone or what have you so a presentation um, um, even um, extra volunteers to speak will help when they do and go out on their programs that where they get into the community the number seven he mentioned um, like a laptop at least that's one laptop he was talking about that they will use when they go out on out in the field. So he mentioned that as well. All right, so those are the top seven of needed resources that we're gonna focus on when we start the drive next month. First to March the 1st for 30 days. And you just heard part of that passionate and dedication of the importance of reading. He'd said something else and I want to make sure I hone on that that I really stuck to me and this was towards the end of this interview of part one. He said literacy should be a family culture. I think that's very deep. I think it's very prominent in a way that we could take that's your takeaway today. And I just want to add to that that it's in a sense it's like a village. Family is like a village. And we get that from when we learn to honor our neighbors or appreciate our neighbors <laughs> um, in a sense of working together and having that community feel. 
And no matter what our background represents or what we look like on the outside or so forth of our identity of what he was saying, and I can totally agree, literacy should be a family culture. mean everybody will succeed, the whole world. And he's specifically honing on that for us to take a step back and see what can we do. It could be the small things. So that right there was one of his very honed statement that I'm gonna take away for today. And I hope you do too, or the other statements that he made and how he described the programs that they're implementing and want to continue to go on and need some resources to expand and really get into the root of the reading, portraits of reading and the literacy, that overall objective that is still ongoing as an issue not just in the areas that we initially talked about, but we can expand worldwide and have a focus on that starting in February. And um, I hope you participate. I will have a link to the charity event that kicks off if you want to uh, uh, participate and those proceeds go to his school. He will also just want to give directly. That link will be in the description that you can do that and it goes you know, right to the school. Other things will be rolling out during the month of February. So stay tuned. I will announce it on my social media and so forth. So so we he. And I really hope that you enjoyed this part one. I'm going to have part two that will release the first week of February. So stay tuned to that. You want to hear the rest of this interview. It was at least about an hour or so and I wanted to split it up. But nonetheless, thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a message from it. I hope you feel empowered and learn something in the way of our own strength of how we can influence other and the small things we can do are the seeds to the big outcome that the results that are needed to bring us forward and to bring others forward as I like to say it's the 360 all right thank you so much talk to you soon
Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. <coughs> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled by mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now more straight talk from Straight Talk. The big wireless companies say they're the only way to get the best coverage. Because they've got like a kajillion cell towers? Something like that. But Straight Talk Wireless runs on those same towers. So you get the same great networks for up to 50% less. I wonder if they're counting that one in Kickapoo, Kansas. Oh, boy. Switch today and get our unlimited plan for just 45 bucks a month with 25 gigs at high speeds and no contract. Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.